Hey, and welcome to the Resound Church podcast. Whether it's your first or your 40th time tuning in, we're so glad you're here. And we pray that you get something powerful from today's sermon. Father, we thank you that we're able to stand in your presence, not because of who we are, not because of what we've done, but because of who Jesus is. My prayer today is that, Father, as as we open up your word, that we would realize afresh what it is that has been wrought for us. Teach us. Train us. I pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Are you listening to me? You sure? Because let me tell you, if you're not, you're going to be in trouble this morning because that's my message. I remember about 37 years ago, I think it was October, November, it was, um, it was definitely daylight savings. I went round to Ruth's house because I wanted to talk to her dad about something. And... Uh, Unfortunately, her dad had this habit of being very focused when sport was on the TV. Uh, In other words, he would watch the sport, he would listen to the sport, and if you were there, he might notice you. But this particular night that I needed to see him, I don't know where you were, Mum, you were hidden off somewhere, and Ruth was hidden off somewhere. And I wanted to talk to him and I said, um, can we go for a walk? I want to have a chat. He goes, no, I don't want to go for a walk. <laughs> Great. He knew what was coming. And uh, so he persevered and I persevered. And eventually I got him out of the room where the TV was and, and I talked to him about my affection for his daughter and my desire to marry her. Uh, he didn't answer straight away. As a matter of fact, I think he talked to me for an hour. I didn't listen then. I, I looked like I listened. All I wanted was an answer. I didn't care about all the commentary. I just wanted an outcome, you know, either yes or no. What's the outcome? And, um, and eventually I got the outcome, which made me happy. And, um, and as a result, he said yes, and I was able to marry Ruth, which was an amazing thing. But the point is not, it's not our wedding anniversary or anything, so don't worry about that. <clears throat> the point is this. I had to get him away from what he was focused on so he would listen to me. Uh, most of you from time to time will have heard advertisements on the TV or whatever else, and, and they're advertisements by the government. And what they're saying is we've got, you know, I don't know, $20 billion dollars in lost super funds. And so what they're trying to do is they're trying to get a message out to everybody because somewhere in the system, there are people with all this money sitting in super funds somewhere, but they've lost it. They've lost connection with the person who owns the money. And and so the money is virtually unclaimed. And so the message is this, go and check and see if your name's on the list because there might be money that belongs to you, but you no longer realise you've got it or you've forgotten about it. And, and so this message keeps going out. But the funny thing is this, every year the amount goes up. 
Do you know what? No one's listening. And some of you here are not listening. And it could be that there's $1,000 or $2,000 or five or $10,000 sitting in an unclaimed super fund somewhere because you didn't listen. And that's probably frustrating for you if you realise that. I don't know about you, but from time to time there are disagreements in our house. Is, is that common or is this just something... And, and one of the phrases that key, seems to come out often is, you're just not listening to me. Is that a common phrase? That's me saying that to you, is that? And then, you know, that sometimes it's the other way around as well. Ruth says, you're just not listening to me. I'm, I'm listening, you just don't get it. And it goes backwards and forwards like this. And, and clearly there's a problem. I don't know what the problem is. It's usually irrelevant and small and insignificant, but it's a problem at the time. But the phrase is memorable. You're just not listening to me. I don't know how many times as a parent I've said the same thing. Brittany, you're just not listening to me. Never Amy Lee. (laughs) She always looked like she was listening. She just wasn't listening. The difference is... Brittany made it clear that she wasn't listening to me and she was sending me a message. (laughs) Katie left home so young, I can't remember if we ever talked to her. (laughs) But the point is this, for all of us, listening is something we choose to do and at other times something we don't do. Is that right? And you know, listening is actually important. It's not important all the time, but there are times when it is really, really important. And if you don't listen, then the consequences are significant for you. If you've got money in super that could be lost, go and look for it because it could be significant for you. If you don't listen in, uh, in a marital dispute, the, the consequences can be significant for you. It's, it's important that you do find a way to listen. But when you think about it, we're all guilty of not listening from time to time. Is that right? Some of you are not listening to me now. (laughs) Don't answer that one. (laughs) And there's a few reasons why we don't listen. Number one, you're not interested. I'm not saying about today, but, you know, sometimes you don't listen because you're not interested. You may be listening to the news and there'll be, what happens is if you're listening to the news, it'll, there'll, there'll be peaks and troughs. Something will come on, I'm not listening, I couldn't be bothered listening to that, I'm not interested, but then something else will come on. Do, do you know my ability to listen to the sport news depends on whether I know Sydney have won or lost. I listen when they've won, I don't listen when they've lost. And so the Uh, there's a few reasons you don't listen. Number one is because whether you're interested or not. Number two, it could be how what's being said is being presented. If it's presented in a way that's confusing, then you don't usually listen. Doesn't matter how important it is that's being said, what's being said, it's just because it's too, there's too much detail you don't listen. Sometimes Ruth will talk to me about her day and I said, just cut to the chase. Did you do this and this and this? If, yep, that's all I want to know. I, I'm not too worried about the rest of the detail. That's, uh, that's just me and it gets me in trouble. 
And so sometimes it's the detail that you're, you're not interested in. You're not interested in all the detail. Sometimes you're distracted. My father-in-law at times when the television was on and Collingwood was playing, he could be distracted from everything else around him, but definitely not distracted from the game on the, on, on the TV. There are other times where the things that you're most concerned about get in the way of what you're actually in, in range of listening to. In other words, you're thinking about something else and someone's talking to you and you're just not hearing it because you're focused on the thing that's burdening you or weighing heavy on you. The reality is this, all of us have times and periods where we don't listen. And it's okay sometimes, but the problem is this, if we don't listen when something's really important, it costs us. It costs us badly. And and you know, the writer of the Hebrews, as he's As he's going through chapter 4 and chapter 5, he gets uh, to about uh, verse 7 and 8 in Hebrews chapter 5, and he basically says this, you are not listening. And his tone, his um, form, the, the way he phrased the words, his aggression is a frustration coming out. It's like, why are you so dull? What's wrong with you? Why don't you listen to me? And someone, what someone said, turn up the hearing aid. Oh. <laughs> and he's getting annoyed. And the reason he's getting annoyed is the things he is speaking about are so important. And yet he feels that people are not listening. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 5. Probably come up at verse 11. It says, there is much more we would like to say about this. Listen to this. But it is difficult to explain especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. How would you be getting a letter from this guy? He doesn't pull any punches. In the NIV, it says this, we have much more to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Now, there's nothing wrong with us not understanding everything, but it is wrong when it's important. It costs you unless you do the hard work and try and understand it. And so the writer here is getting frustrated with these. I've got so much more to say, but it's hard to make it clear because you no longer try to understand. In the Amplified, it says this. Concerning this, we have much to say and it is hard to explain since you have become dull and sluggish in your spiritual hearing and disinclined to listen. And he's getting really annoyed and frustrated with these people because it's not going as he wanted it to go. Most of your problems are because you don't listen. Most of the challenges in your spiritual walk are because you don't listen. Most of the frustration of life is the result of 
not listening. I'm not saying all the problems disappear, but listening is key here. Aidan said it before, Jesus said, come to me all you are weary and heavy laden and I will give you what? Rest. If you think of those two words, weary and burdened or weary and heavily laden, uh, they're an indication that something's not as it ought to be. Something is going on and what does Jesus promise to do? He promises to give us rest from those two things. But the reality is, often we don't experience that rest because we don't listen. It's not that we don't hear, but that we don't, rather the problem is that we don't really listen. We can... Do you know, it's interesting in a conversation, there are times that again, we're getting into some private things. I say, Ruth, you're not listening to me. She goes, I know exactly what you said. I know, but you're not listening. It's, It's not that we can't reply verbatim what's been said. It's just that what's been said hasn't cut through to the place where it makes a difference. And when we get back to what the writer of the Hebrews is saying will realise that he is frustrated, not because he wants people to listen to him, but because what he is saying is going to make such a significant difference in their life, if only it could burn through the dross that stands in the way. Let's read a little bit more that, uh, about what the writer said in uh, Hebrews five eleven to 14. He says, there is much more we would like to say about this, but it is difficult to explain. Can I say this? Because something is difficult to understand doesn't mean you shouldn't listen. Not everything is as simple as one, two, three or ABC. And often the application of what we're hearing is much more complex than ABC as well. And, and, and the writer here is saying, listen, there's some things that I want you to understand, but it's difficult to explain it. In other words, he is guilty of finding it a challenge. Do you know, one time Paul was preaching and, and as he was preaching, it says he went late into the night and what happened is somebody was sitting on the windowsill. What happened? Person fell asleep, fell out the window. Goes and gets him, brings him back and keeps going. Just because something is hard to understand doesn't mean it shouldn't be listened to because the consequences are very important. He goes on, uh, but it is difficult to explain since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. He's just encouraging them. And and, And he goes on. You've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. He gets nicer. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. (laughs) For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Don't tell me there's not um, slander in the Bible. This is, (laughs) it's like you bunch of babies, what's wrong with you? You still need your mother's milk? This is the writer to the Hebrews saying this. Then verse 14, solid food is for those who are mature who through training have the skill to recognise the difference between right and wrong. And so the writer is frustrated. He goes on in the start of chapter 6 as well. 
But the question we need to ask is, why is he frustrated? Is he frustrated because he's got something to say and no one listens? No, no, no. He's frustrated because what he has to say isn't being heard and then applied in the lives of those that he's communicating to. And it's hurting him. He goes back further and he talks about Christ. Now, we can't understand this completely. You know, in the Old Testament, they lived with a high priest and the high priests would um, make sacrifices for their sins. But the reality is this, the, the high priests came, come from a line, from Aaron's line, and they were corrupt. They were human beings, failures just like we can be at times. Some of them would take what was offered and they'd keep it for themselves and they would do all sorts of things. They'd probably bribe people, they would mistreat people, they would act like they're better than everybody else. And and, and this is something of what the the people that uh, understood the Old Testament would have experienced. They'd have known what the history of the high priests was. And so what you've got here is is the writer is trying to explain, listen, we have a high priest, but he's not of the same sort. He's not of the same order. He's not of the same lineage. In other words, he's not going to steal, he's not going to kill, and he's not going to destroy. He he is after what's called the order of Melchizedek. He knows no beginning and he knows no end. He is ultimately supreme. He'll never do you wrong. And so the writer is trying to convince the people that they now have someone mediating on their behalf who isn't mediating to, to, do, to, to get out of it what he can get out of it. He's mediating on our behalf. Do you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes when you have to use lawyers and things, you question whether or not they're doing it to help you or to get money, don't you? Any lawyers here this morning? <laughs> Sitting in the front row next to Lockie? Just don't feel guilty. We know. <laughs> and so, you, you, you know, it's probably less of an issue at a personal or a family level. But when you get into big business, they charge ridiculous amounts of money. And, and, and you know... Um, through a range of different things. One time I was involved in, he was only charging $1,200 an hour. And you might think that's a lot of money. There's, more, there's some that charge much more than that. And the good thing was, I said, well, we refused to pay and we got the joint venture partner to pay because I, I, I just refused. It's ridiculous. And we'll get a bill just uh, for, for a ridiculous amount of money so they could catch up on where they were at with our relationship. That just cost us $10,000 for them to remember where we were at. It's sort of like someone's making money out of nothing here and it's not us. And so high priests were like mediators. And unfortunately, throughout the history of Israel, those high priests were known to take advantage of the people and they mediated, sure, but they mediated for their own advantage like some lawyers do today. You can talk to Jemima later, she'd be, she's actually not doing that. <laughs> and so what the writer of the Hebrews is trying to say is saying this, listen, 
I know there's a bad history when it comes to high priests, but we've got a high priest that doesn't come from that line. He's supreme. He not only understands the, 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 the process, but he is divine. He's like, he's the one lined up for the, the heavenly process, not the earthly process. Next week, we'll talk a little bit more about Jesus, the high priest, and how he comes from the order of Melchizedek. But I want to get back to the start of chapter 4, where the writer is expressing something uh, that he believes is so, so, so important. Let's read some verses from there. So Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1 and 2 says this, God's promise of entering his rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you might fail to experience it. Just leave the the verses on the screen for a few moments. Why, Why is he annoyed that they're not listening? He's annoyed that they're not listening because his concern is that they may fail to experience God's rest. Going back to what Aidan said earlier and quoting Jesus, rest is appropriate for people who are weary or heavy laden or burdened. And, and so I don't know about you, but when you've been working physically and you're tired, you want to do what? You want to rest. Is that right? Sometimes when we go away, I like to walk, Ruth likes to walk, but I just keep walking. And then every now and again, I just need to stop, Wayne. I need to rest. She gets a little frustrated with me. And it's understandable because when you're, when you're weary, you want to rest, don't you? We all understand that in a physical sense. But can I suggest to you that there is more to rest than simply physical rest? When you are burdened or concerned or worried where your mind is, as it were, controlled by a situation or a circumstance, you'd usually reach out, you usually desire rest from the thing that's burdening you, don't you? It's like, I just, I just need to get through this thing. It's like, I, I, it's, it's harassing me. And it's, you know, you go to sleep and you're wide awake when you're so tired, you want to go to sleep, but the thing keeps harassing you. Then I ask her to go to the other room. Not really. Not really. No. Sorry, bad joke. I shouldn't have said that. It was just, it came, it came out quicker than it, you know, I just thought. But when you're worried, when you're concerned, when you're burdened, you want rest from that thing. It's not... It, it's different to physical rest. It's to, do with, it's to do with psychological rest. Is that right? We've all gone through it for various different reasons at various different times. Sometimes it's rest because you're concerned in your workplace, your relationship, in your finances, and you need rest. And it's not, a, it's not something where you can just go to sleep because it's harassing you. And it's, I just need rest. The whole... The Old Testament sets up the process of giving the Israelites rest from the burden of their sin. 
because they understood the burden of their sin was such that unless there was a sacrifice, they wouldn't be relieved of that burden. That's why the system and process was in place. So the high priest, you know, once a year would come in and, and would, uh, uh, would do a sacrifice completely for everybody. So that the burden or the responsibility or the weight or the pressure of their sin would be discarded with, would be gone. Now in our day and age, we don't think of these things in the same way, but it doesn't take away the truth of the burden and the responsibility. In the book of Romans, it speaks clearly about the wages uh, or the penalty of sin is death. Wages of sin is death. And there is a, an, a, a weight that you carry, a burden that you carry that is associated with our sinful nature. And, and, and the writer here to the Hebrews is saying, listen, I want you to understand there is an opportunity for you to find rest from the burden that you carry. Since God's promise of entering his rest still stands, so we ought to tremble with fear that some of you may fail to experience it. I love the next phrase. It says simply this. For this good news, we've talked about good. Remember just a month or so ago, I spoke about good news. This good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them, but it did them no good. Why? Because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. The message of good news is the same as it's always been. And we understand the message in multiple different ways, but the the result of the work of Christ is this, that you might enter into a permanent eternal rest, understanding your future is secure. And we understand that component fairly simply, fairly easily. The challenge for me is this, and this is where I get frustrated, is there is rest available to you today if you're willing to receive it. It hurts me at times to see people go through pain and struggle that is simply the result of them not listening to what the Bible says or to what Jesus has said. And you think if only you would listen. I remember one time many years ago, uh, we planted the church in Berwick. It was early days on. We're probably 12 to 18 months in. And we had a, a couple who came to the church and they were, we were in our mid-20s. And he, he was in his mid-50s, a very wealthy man. He came and he said, come from an unchurched background. He said, you know, I, I, I've got enough money and I want to buy you a building. I want to do this. I want to do that. And he had this dream that he was going to help the church become all that he believed that it could be after, after spending some time with us. And as we're going through the process of we're getting to know them, uh, getting to know them really well, um, he shared more and more of the pain of his life. He was in his second marriage. Um, but he had a son who was 26 years old, uh, completely addicted to drugs, and, um, and he, he'd talk about the pain of that. And his response was, he felt that the neighbor next to him, and they lived in a, in a fairly wealthy area, he felt that the neighbor had influenced his son and that his son had become a drug addict as a result of that connection, that relationship. So what do you do? You sue the neighbor. That's what he did. He disconnected with his son. And, and, and you know, as we went there, I remember one time, his name was Harold, and I said, not Harold from Neighbours, another Harold. 
I said, Harold, do you real? He was starting to have problems with his heart. I said, Harold, it's, the problem here is all the stress you've put yourself under. I said, you know, you're trying to sue your neighbour because you blame them for what's happening to your son. You've disconnected yourself from your son because you think he's ashamed to you because he was, it was about prestige. And, and I said, Harold, you can't keep doing this. You'll kill yourself in the process. The stress was so significant. It was causing problems in his relationship with his, wife, his second wife. I said, Harold, you've got to let some of this go. And we were, you, you, you know, when I say going for it, it was, a, it was a tense conversation backwards and forwards. I was in, he said, Harold, you've got to let it go. It's going to kill you if you don't let this thing go. And then finally, I said to him, Harold, you've got to learn to forgive. You've got to forgive your neighbour. You've got to forgive your son. And repair the breach in the relationships. He said, well, I refuse to forgive. I said, Harold, you know, you've heard us for long enough now. The Bible is very clear. That God can't forgive us unless we're prepared to forgive others. I said it to him two times. He said, well, that's it. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, I'm not forgiving. God doesn't forgive me. Well, he doesn't forgive me. You may as well leave. That was the last time I ever seen him. There was a rest on offer for him if he was willing to listen, but he wasn't willing to listen. Do you know today, there are people in this crowd with challenges and struggles in their life that don't need to remain there, if only you'd be willing to listen to what Jesus has to say. You could enter into a rest, not in eternity, but in a rest now. If we go back to that passage of scripture, it says, God has prepared this rest. And it has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. The rest that God promises is a rest from the need for approval. It's a rest from comparing yourself to others. It's a rest from worrying about who has what and where you fit in some sort of silly hierarchy. It's a rest from the burden of sin, the penalty of sin, and concerns about life hereafter. It's a rest from the world's way, and it's a rest that allows you to have confidence in what God has said and what he's promised. Hebrews 4, 9 to 13 says this, thanks to him. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labours just as God did after creating the world. 
So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. The point, the reason that passage is there about the word, is there's no deceiving God. You may give the appearance of being at rest, but God knows the truth. He knows what you're challenged with. He knows what you struggle with. There is nowhere to go to hide. It doesn't actually matter what the issue is. There is a promise that remains. Jesus said, I will give you rest. The writer to the Hebrews is saying, I will give you rest. Why would you persist in your labours? Why would you persist with your weariness? Why would you persist with a significant heavy burden when there's a promise from God and it's good news that He will give you rest if only you would listen. I know there's reasons why we don't listen. But can I implore you to do your best to listen is for your own good. We stand together with me. Father, we're here together in this place. All from different backgrounds, different different families, different understandings, different education, different work experiences. But what we have alike is the challenge that we are born as sinners into a sinful world. And the goal of sin is to steal, kill and destroy. It's to take something from us. It's to, to rob us of the pleasure and the abundance of a life lived in relationship with you. Father, I know there are so many people in this room who are, who are burdened, who are weary, who are tired. And my prayer today is that, Father, somehow, some way, that your, your word, that your love would cut through the dross, would cut through the pain, would cut through the difficulties that they're experiencing, and that you would give them rest rest from their labours. Father, I know I'm guilty of not listening so many times. My prayer is that you would help me to, as it were, unblock my ears to the voice of your Spirit so that I could respond appropriately to the things that you're speaking specifically to me about. So that I might be able to live in a way that honours you. So that I might be able to live an abundant life in the way that you intend for me to live. That I might be a blessing and an example to others. I pray today, Father, the whole point of Jesus' death and resurrection was so that we ourselves would be recipients of the good news that the end result that would be that we would find rest.
Help us to listen, I pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening through this message recorded live at Resound Church in Melbourne. You can find out more about who we are online, including our service times and live streams. Have a great week and we'll catch you next time.